Well, we are kind of almost in the middle, towards the end of our witness series, and uh, this week I want to ask maybe just a simple question that I think most of us can identify with of, how many of us have ever played the game I Spy? It's a very theological question here, I know. Um, I Spy. So my boys have just started, Kenny now is in preschool, and so that is like awesome but terrifying at the same time, if you know what I'm saying. Um, like, my son is in a school with other kids that he can terrorize. I pray a lot for them. Um, but on the drive, I, I like taking my boys to school. And so as we're driving in my car, we, we play the game I Spy a lot. And, and a lot of times, it's, it's a great game. I spy with my little eyes something blue, and then they just start shouting off a whole bunch of stuff. Or I spy something big and they start shouting what they think is the biggest thing that they can see or I spy something bumpy and most of the times it goes really really well but then there's those moments where little cash or little Ken says all right dad it's my turn and I know that there's a chance I may never ever guess what they are spying and I like just this past week it was one of those moments of of Cash and sitting in the back, and he goes, Dad, I spy something blue. And I'm like, all right, I got this. And I'm like, uh, the bird, nope. The car, nope. And I'm looking around, I'm naming everything I can, and I'm, I'm saying as much as I can, even things that I actually don't see. And no, Dad, no, you don't see it. No, Dad, no, no. And he's starting to get a little frustrated, and I'm getting frustrated, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, there are no blue cars, there's not even blue police lights behind me. There is nothing blue. There's no blue birds. There's no blue shirts. There's blue nothing. But yet, he spies something blue. And finally, I'm like, bro, what is it? And in his little raspy, deep voice for such a little man, oh, dad, it's the blue light in your car. The light that's been there since the moment I had this car. And I'm sitting there like, something blue. It's intriguing to me, though, that he can see this blue light, but no matter how hard I looked, no matter how hard I tried, I never could see it. How often, though, do we also do this just regularly in our day-to-day -day lives? How often do we miss the things that are right in front of us, day in, day out? What about the moments where we have looked at something in life, and we've looked at it over and over and over again, but we've actually never seen it? Have you ever looked at something but never saw it? Have you ever looked at something but you never saw it? As part of the Zero Collective, one of our values is to see zero needs unmet. Zero needs unmet. And, and what that means is that we want to see zero needs in our community and in the spheres that we have influence in. We want to see zero people in need. And it's a lofty, humongous goal. Am I right? I guess not. It's a lofty and a humongous goal. Am I right? And the only way to get it done is by the Holy Spirit and God interfering and moving, Right? And that is exactly what we want to see happen. In order for that to happen, we have to get better 
and not just looking at needs in our lives, but rather start to see them. I want to bring us back to a story that we've already talked a little bit about. It's found in Acts 16. And we're going to go at this story from a little bit of a different perspective, a different angle. Is that cool? If it's not, too bad. So here's what we're going to do. If you have your device, because I know most of us bring a device, flip it open, scroll it, whatever you got to do, Acts chapter 16 for me. And we're going to be hanging out in kind of 16 through 21. We're going to kind of break it up. Here's what it says, verses 16 and 17. Once when we are going to the place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas, remember this. Once when we are going to the place of prayer, we are met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. This young girl is possessed by a demon. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So here it is, is this young girl is possessed. Can we just pause real quick? Because for some of us, possibly, this is a struggle to talk about. This young girl is possessed. It means she doesn't have control over herself. And what's intriguing about this is that she, she has the ability to predict the future. Her masters would have known that this young girl more than likely is possessed. They would have known that she had a deep spiritual need. But yet, why did they not do anything? She had a deep need for freedom, but others around her didn't see it. Why? Maybe because her deep need, her deep need brought her owners comfort and money. Her deep need didn't inconvenience them, but rather, rather, it brought them more and more and more luxuries, all the while spiritually harming her. Her need was their gain. There was no sacrifice for them. It was not a burden for this young girl to be possessed and tell them the, the future. See, they would have looked at her. But I don't think they've ever seen her. I don't think they ever saw her. I don't know if they ever looked at her and actually saw her for who she is, a child of God. They maybe have looked past her. They maybe looked away from her. Maybe they looked near her, but they never saw her truly as who she is. Remember that she would proclaim the future. And she was right about the future she was proclaiming when she followed around Paul and the others. She was right. These men know the way for you to be saved. She's not lying. It's not leading people astray, the demon is literally proclaiming the gospel. Have you ever looked at something in your life but never truly saw it? Because this was the case for this young girl. She was looked at by many people. You can imagine that many people 
saw her and were looking at her and were walking by her and interacting with her, paying her masters for her service, you can understand and we have to understand that she was looked at by many people, but she was probably never truly seen. Can I ask what issues are burdening us today? A lot of us probably know that there is an absolute horrendous thing going on called sex trafficking and slavery. It's not a surprise probably for many of us. And in July 2020, just a little over a year ago, there was this group that interviewed 242 individuals on the street. And 89% of those individuals said, yeah, I'm, I'm controlled by a pimp, by a gang, by an organized crime mob boss, so to say. 242 individuals, 89% are enslaved. It's probably also not a surprise to many of us. If you've been here for just even a few weeks, you understand that my heart, the foster care system, what about the reality that there are over 13,000 kids in need of a home right now? How about the other truth of child hunger right now? Almost 7,000 kids last year relied on hand-to-hand -hand ministry for food on the weekends. And that is not including any family or kid who went to a food shelter outside of hand-to-hand. 7,000. 7,000. Many of us probably on their way, even maybe this morning to church, I know I did, drove by some homeless people on the side of the road. Did you know that the average wait to get into a homeless shelter right now is roughly 115 families ahead of you? Can I ask again, what issues are burdening us today? Because take a look at what happens in this story before we dive back into what we were just talking about. Take a look at the story, uh, verse 18. This is what it says. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so, say that next word. Oh. Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. I find this intriguing that Paul cast out the demon, but why did he do it? Because he was annoyed. He was like, you are annoying me day in, day out. I am done. I've had enough. And finally, finally, he turns around and he's like, all right, you know what? You want to play games? I'll play games. In the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. And, and it's gone. It, what's intriguing to me is this. She was annoying him. She brought inconvenience, a burden to his life. So he removed the issue, the demon. It's not out of compassion. <laughs> it's that he was ticked off. <laughs> Paul is standing there. He's like, I am upset. It is over and over and over again. I am not moved by compassion. I am moved by annoyance. And he says, be gone. And this is what happens. She, it, he was more burdened by her being annoying 
than he was by her being lost and in need. Ouch. Ouch. He was more burdened by the inconvenience for him than maybe the actual brokenness. And Paul is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, missionary and everything. But here's what I actually appreciate about this story. If I'm just going to be fully transparent, I can identify with that. There are things in my world and in my life that annoy me. (laughs) That probably should move me through compassion, but rather I'm moved through annoyance. And here's the coolest part about that. God still works. God still works. And Paul could have easily just just forgot about it. Paul could have easily even just like tried to lose her in the dust. But instead he takes action. He takes action. What issues do you see in the world that are burdening you? Slavery, sex trafficking. 242 individuals interviewed, 89% are controlled. 13,000 kids in foster care waiting for a home. Almost 7,000 kids relying on hand-to-hand ministries for food over the weekends. And families waiting, almost 120 families before them to get just a simple bed. Can I tell you the biggest kicker about those things right now for me? Those stats are from Grand Rapids. July 2020, 242 individuals in the city of Grand Rapids were interviewed. 89% of those individuals in Grand Rapids said, I am being enslaved, I am controlled by a pimp, by organized crime mob boss, I am being controlled by something, I am enslaved. 13,000 kids in foster care in Grand Rapids are just waiting for a home right now. 7,000 kids and families the past year relied on hand-to-hand to be fed over the weekend. And the waiting list for somebody who was standing out this morning in the pouring rain is 115 families long in Grand Rapids. Can I ask, does that burden anybody else besides me? Does our hearts not break that we have these needs and we're asking God, what do I do about this? And for a lot of times, I'm going to be very honest, it's not what do I do about this. It's like, yo, God, what are you doing about this? We can look at the need and do nothing, or we can see the need and we can take action. We look at all these needs around us, but how often have we seen these needs as opportunities to be Jesus in the moment? How often have we just seen the need as an opportunity to be Jesus in the moment? I think for a lot of us, myself included, is we become numb to it. We we look at the need and it's just another Tuesday. We look at the guy standing there with his sign and it's like, I see you every Wednesday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. 
at this exact place. It's just another Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. We become so numb to it. And I, I truly believe that we can't fix needs until we learn to see them as chances to live out the gospel to the world around us. We, if we want to end sex trafficking and slavery, we have to start understanding that it is an opportunity for us to live out the gospel to the world around us. If we want to end the foster care crisis right now, we have to understand and see that it is an opportunity for us, for us to, to show and demonstrate and live out the gospel to the world among us. If we want to end world hunger, if we want to end homelessness, we have to understand that these are not social issues. These are gospel issues. And I truly believe that we are called for more. Zero needs among us. Can you imagine our city? Can you imagine our community where we see zero needs among us? This slave girl had a need. And what happened when Paul released her from that demon, is her need was met. But look what happened afterwards. Verses 19 through 21. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That last little sentence there is, is a bogus charge to just get Paul and Silas in trouble. We understand that, right? What they're really saying is this. These two homeboys came in and cast the demon out of my slave, and now... My money-making machine is gone. So we need to take action because they might do it for yours too. That's what they're saying here. Let me, let me be very blunt about this. This young girl was freed from the need she was walking in. She had a spiritual freedom now from the demons. She also had a physical freedom now from her captives. Why? And this is going to sound really brutal. She was worthless to them now. They had no need for her. You can't tell fortunes no more, be gone. You can't make me money no more, you're, you're dispensable. You can't fulfill what I want you to do, you're done. Her need was met. And then what happens? Paul and Silas are seized and these men bring them before the, the, the leaders and, and they they come up with these bogus charges to get them in trouble. Can I, can I though tell you what I see in that, that last two, three verses there? Can I share with you something that I believe is very evident here? I believe we see these men operating in a lifestyle full of idolatry. These men were out working in a lifestyle that is just full of idolatry. 
when people care more about their own economic well-being than the glory of God and salvation of lost souls, it is a clear sign of idolatry, greed, and worldliness. And I think sometimes we've fallen into that. That's hard to hear, that's hard to say, but sometimes have we fallen into that? Have we cared more about filling the blank than the needs before us? Her handlers cared more about their own well-being than her needs. They had the idol of money. It, It just simply comes down to what's your focus in this world. It simply comes down to the question of what's your focus? Like, what are you focused on? Here, this young girl is just seeking help, and she doesn't know it. And when she finally experiences freedom, her need to be met, she's thrown off to the side. But what we might not ever understand or know is, and and I don't know, Scripture really doesn't say about this, but could that moment have been the moment where this young girl starts to understand there's a, there's a bigger God out there. I don't know. Could this young girl now walk in a newfound freedom that she's never had before? I, I, I don't know. Could this young girl feel like she has no more needs because somebody has seen her actually? Not just looked at her, but seen her. Has met a need. I, I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that we are called To not just look at needs and talk about them, but to actually see them and do something about it. Are are we more focused on being comfortable and not inconvenienced? Or are we more focused on seeing people not having needs because the church is actually stepping in and stepping up and meeting them where they are in their moments of need? What? our focus. Have you ever looked at something but never actually saw it before? I want um, I want to invite Katie back up and um, I still got a little bit to go but um, Katie, sorry I don't have a stool for you. Um, But I just think there's something that we need to have this honest conversation for. And and this is it. We hear these stats about slavery. You you might hear the the stats about hunger or homelessness or even foster care. And it's the next logical question that most of us ask. Man, Kyle, like I hear that. That's a burden for me too. But what really can I do? I'm one person, man. I'm one person. How can I make a difference? I was on uh, social media the other day. And what was interesting is I came across this story. It was a young guy. He was in his 20s. And it showed this video of, of him getting out of his car as stoplight. 
gets in the middle of the day. There's cars lined up behind him, and this girl is actually filming this from her car. And this young man gets out of his car, and he walks behind his car, and he starts to interact with this gentleman on the side of the road. And he takes off his shirt, and he hands it to this guy. And he looks down at this guy's feet, and he has no shoes. And so you see this young 20-year-old guy starts to unlace his Jordans, and he hands it to this homeless guy. And you see him open up his door and pull out his wallet, and he starts to hand him money in cash. And, and then he gets back in his car, puts it in drive, and drives off. He's just one person. Uh, or there's another story I stumbled across where this young high school senior is preparing for graduation. And it's this picture and he's got his cap on and his nice tie and shirt and his gown on. And he's ready to go. And he's informed he can't walk. Because his black shoes have a white sole on them, and those are athletic shoes. And here, at this school, we don't wear athletic shoes to walk across the stage. You have to have dress shoes. And so this high school senior is not going to be able to graduate. Because he couldn't have the right shoes. And this father of another girl who's about to graduate hears this, and he walks up to the young man and he says, what size are you? Go figure. God has a unique way of bringing the right people together at the right time. It's the same size shoe. And so here's this dad, a businessman, successful. And you can just tell by the Rolex on his wrist and the dress suit that he has on. And he pulls off his dress shoes. And he gets down on his knees and he puts them on this young boy's feet. And he says, you go graduate, son. Let's get a picture afterwards. He's just one person, though. What difference could he make? Or what about the many kids who I got to hear stories and interact with this past Friday night at an event for my wife's work who have found a home temporarily or permanently in foster care? To hear these teenagers say, I feel like I am seen, I am heard, and I am loved. All because one person, one family said, I'm just one, but I can, I can try. Or what about those who drive around downtown Grand Rapids with these little bags in their car? These little bags that are full of deodorant and toothpaste and toothbrushes and combs and water and little snacks that don't perish. And they hand them out to people on the corner. And all they say on the bag, all they say as they hand them out is, God bless, I see you and I'm praying for you. What's your name? I'm just one person though. But that one person making that invitation, making that gesture says to these people, I, I see you, I, I see you. I don't just look at, I, I see you. I'm just one person, right? Or what about those neighbors in our, in our neighborhoods who step in and step up? Those neighbors who 
know there's an elderly neighbor across the street from them. And every winter, it gets harder and harder for that old gentleman to walk outside and to start to remove the snow in the winter. And so instead, this father will wake up a little bit earlier, fire up his snowblower just a little bit earlier, use a little bit more gas to make sure that old man doesn't have to get out in the snow anymore. He's just one person, though, right? Or how about the countless volunteers who pack bag after bag, week after week for the hand-to-hand ministries? Not just at our church, but across this community in this area. 6,700 families, almost 7,000 families rely on this. And I gotta be very honest with you, that number is from last year. So let me just be very blunt. The need is far greater than 7,000 and there are faithful people who show up to pack a bag and drop it off at, at a locker. It's not a food ministry, it's a prayer ministry disguised as a food ministry. And they get to tell these families and these kids that I see you. I don't see the need, I see you. And you are loved you don't know it, but you are prayed for. But they're just one person, right? What about people who just randomly show up, even here at our church, faithfully, without asking, to just simply serve, to vacuum the floor, clean the toilets, to sweep off our our sidewalks, to to plow our driveway and our parking lot. They're just one person, right? But they make this place feel tidy and feel welcoming and inviting week in and week out. just one person. So how can I change the world, Kyle? How can I end slavery? How can I end homelessness? How can I end the foster care situation? You want my honest? I don't know. I don't know if you can change the world. But you can change somebody's world. You may not change the whole entire world in a moment, but in a moment you can change somebody's world. I'm just one person, but I'm going to do everything within me to see zero needs in my community and in my world. I'm just one person, but I'm not going to stop until I have no breath left in me. I'm just one person, but I know one person who he came and he said, I I see a big need, but I see people in need and I can fit what you need. I can remove the need. And I serve that person, and so do you. He changed the world. And he gave us his authority and his power to go and do what he did. We understand that, right, church? That's a good place for an amen, a clap, or a hanky wave or something. Because we have to understand that we live in the power of a God who changed the world. 
And if you don't know the God that I know, I'd love to introduce you to him. It's getting warm up in here because the spirit is moving. I believe somebody needs to hear that maybe you walked in today with a need, but I know a God who can fulfill and remove the need you walked in with. Don't leave today with that same need. Don't leave today not knowing my Jesus. So what have you been looking at but you've never seen before? What have we been looking at but yet we've never seen it as an opportunity to be God's hands and feet to our world and community? I can't wait for the day when there are zero needs in our community because the church the church said enough and the church decided to step in and step up through the power of the Holy Spirit to start to meet the needs in this community would you pray with me Father Father, we just come before you knowing that we are only one person. But knowing that you have given us your power, your authority, your spirit to operate in and under. And so God, right now, I pray that you would just overwhelmingly fill, fill us with your power, fill us with your spirit in a new way. Fill us in a way we've never felt before, Lord. That when we walk out of here, Father, that we would be so full of your spirit that whoever we come in contact with, that they would see you, that they would hear you, that they would feel you in your presence, Lord. And God, whatever needs we walked in here with, whatever needs that we are going home to, whatever needs we may be feel like we're drowning in right now, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and that you would step in and you would remove the need, Lord. Would you remove the spiritual need, Lord? Would you remove the brokenness of sin that has held us captive for far too long? God, I pray you, you would remove the idols that we've placed. Would you remove the addictions that we are walking in? Would you remove the needs in our lives so that we would see you as the great provider, the God who sustains and who can take anything that is broken and make it new? God, we ask in your name that you would just fill this place and fill this community and this neighborhood from this place, Lord. Sweep over us, Lord, like a mighty rushing waterfall. That we would be saturated and drenched and soaked in your presence, Lord. And would we live our lives to see zero needs among us, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Remind us, Lord. Remind us that we walk in your spirit. We walk in your truth. And in the name of Jesus, nothing is impossible. In the name of Jesus, nothing is impossible. 
So we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor to your name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus who died and rose again to save us from our spiritual need, our spiritual darkness, so that we can live eternally with you. We pray, we pray this prayer in that name.